Welcome to Beacon 76. I'm William. And I'm Jason. Hey guys, welcome back. Glad to have you today. We're uh, enjoying another day here in San Diego. Although it's raining today, so... <laughs> yeah, so if you hear any raindrops in the background during today's recording, uh, just disregard it and sit back, relax, and enjoy the content that we're putting out for you. <laughs> yeah, we really can't do nothing about the weather. Decided to start. And we're in a quiet we're in a quiet spot in my house, you know, and, well, you can hear that rain when it starts thumping on the roof, and there's mm -hmm. some hail going on. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's pretty windy, too. You know, and us California boys, we're not used to this, like, rain weather, bro. <laughs> At least we know how to drive in it because we've been in it for a while. So. Yeah, you know. I mean, but that, that song, It Never Rains in Southern California, is so true. But not today. No, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not today. So anyway, today's uh, podcast, we're going to be uh, hitting a trilogy on them. Yeah, this idea came from Justin from the Ex-Wife podcast. And we just wanted to acknowledge someone who reached out to us and gave us an idea of some content we should put out. And we selected... You know the original x-men trilogy and we also want to let everybody know that it is listening we want to thank you we currently have 175 plays out of the podcast that we've already published and we want to thank every single one of you for taking the time to hit that that button and press play and just listen to a moment of us talking in your ear yeah we definitely want to say thank you and um just on that note uh towards uh the ex-wife podcast uh, it's we're not going to give you any details, you guys, on what they do. It would be interesting for you guys to go and check them out. Mm -hmm. But because Justin gave us this idea, we're kind of paying it forward to him by doing our episode on X Men. Exactly. You know. So. E exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so this ep this episode, our trilogy, is going to be on the original X Men that came out. Mm -hmm. And um, and. So the first movie that came out was in the year two thousand. In the year two thousand. Yeah, exactly. That was the, that was the year my youngest daughter was born. Year two thousand. <laughs> <laughs> and and oddly enough, today's her birthday. No, that's my oldest. Oh yeah, my yeah. oldest birthday today. My youngest was is September baby. Right. Like myself. Uh, but, yeah. No. Um, yeah, it was in two thousand, and that was. The original X-Men movie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of superhero movies haven't really come out, like teen superhero movies. Or, uh, this is the turn of the century. Um, Fox owned the rights to X-Men still. Yeah. Uh, and Disney hadn't even... I don't think they had even started the MCU yet. No, not at this time. No, I think Disney didn't start the MCU until 2008. I want to say with mm -hmm. with Iron Man was mm -hmm. it 2008 when Iron Man Part One came out? So I think that's when the actual Disney Marvel MCU, well Marvel MCU anyway, because Disney hadn't even bought it yet, mm -hmm. uh, actually came out. You know, it's crazy that because a lot of people think that the um, 2002 Spider-Man movie was the first superhero movie that actually started the whole 
superhero wave of things, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. It's actually this X-Men movie. X-Men, this X-Men movie was actually the first superhero movie to drop out, you know, to the public uh, in 2000. And it actually did pretty well, man. It, it I mean, for the box office, mm-hmm. it did $157 million on its box. Yeah, and it, it only had a fraction of that as far as the budget that they went with. Yeah. Um, and... Up until this point that I know of, we knew Patrick Stewart, who played Professor Xavier, only to be Captain Picard yeah. in Next Generation. So, for me personally, when I saw this casting, I'm like, okay, this is perfect. I mean, yeah. he's already bald <laughs> to start. Right? You, you know, know, just put a little coconut oil up there and shine it up and you're good, man. Um and then we have uh, Sir Ian McClellan playing Magneto. Dude, that was a... To me, that was like a perfect casting. I think across the board, for the most part, everybody kind of fit, filled the slot of the roles in this movie. Some of the uh, main characters, yeah. I, I kind of feel like there are some other characters that were a little off. But yeah, for the most part, most of the main characters, I felt, nailed it. So... Sir Ian McClellan almost did not film this movie because he was offered the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Mm. And he had to negotiate with Browning Singer in order to finish all of what needed to be recording, you know, for the movie Uh before filming for the Lord of the Rings needed to start or else maybe he wouldn't have been Gandalf too. Wouldn't that have been crazy? Like... Now that you've seen the Lord of the Rings movies, could you imagine anybody else being Gandalf? And it makes you wonder if Brian Singer couldn't have made the that adjustment for him if somebody else would have been Magneto instead of him. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, because the guy, I mean, the role was was perfect for him for Magneto. Playing in that, that older character, obviously, it was an older Magneto, you know, and... Mm-hmm. He just he just really fit the well. He's because he holds himself very pristine and very and that's kind of how Magneto is. He's very like felt like he's got this like power over everybody type you uh, know attitude. He does. <laughs> I know, but he holds himself that way. You know, he's very confident in himself and his and who he is. Yeah, and it's interesting since both movies are made around the same time that you see this drastic way that he does his acting from this villainous role to this wizardly hero you know yeah yeah that is crazy man mm-hmm. you know that's a I don't um, but you know I think the, the standout role that most people know I mean we have other other actors like uh Fam K. Jansen, who played Jean Grey. Mm-hmm. James Marston, this was early in his career as well. He had done a couple other feature films. Uh, he was in one called, uh, high school one called D- Disturb- Disturbing Behavior, I think it was called. But this is one of his first feature films. Everyone already knew who Halle Berry was. Anna Paquin, she was uh, not making a whole lot of movies, but she started her career. As a child, mm-hmm. she was in a movie called Fly Away Home. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I've never seen that movie. Um, it's about a 
a little girl who finds a family of baby ducks like in her barn or something, mm-hmm. but the mother has abandoned them. Oh, wait, I think I have seen that movie. So she ends up kind of raising them, mm-hmm. and she puts together this plane, and she has to to teach these ducklings how to fly so that they can... You know, I do... Didn't she build a plane out of, yeah. like, some lumber or something, in it? she tried to fly it off the roof or something? Was that that movie? I'm not... I don't remember all the details about it, but, <laughs> yeah, she was really young in that movie. Uh-huh. So, um... She, this was one of her big motion picture films. And she played Rogue. Yes. Yeah. I, that was one of the characters that I felt was, I don't know. I mean, she did a good job, right? She was, she did a well, she did a good job as far as the the role, but I don't know. I just kind of felt like that character needed a little bit more. You know, I felt like they were lacking in it a little bit. When you have a lot of characters, comic book characters in movies in general, it's hard to put the spotlight on a lot of them at once. Yeah, I get that. Well, I get that. And I was just talking to my wife the other day about this, like seeing what Marvel has done since this X-Men, this X-Men movie and how they've, adapted building characters in in their movies and stuff like that i just feel like um i feel like they 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 missed the mark a lot on these particular movies you know and building a lot of the characters in which they could have built you know and making them stand out a little bit more than when they stand and then then they did stand out you know just because of what i've seen now you know Back then it was great. I mean, it, it turned out wonderful. I'm not dogging the movie or anything like that because at the time it was just my blowing the way everyone was excited to see it. Mm-hmm. I just would be so interested in seeing like a total reboot and seeing how they would, you know, character how they would cast the characters and how they would build the characters as far as X Men were concerned in up and coming movies. Yeah, it'll be interesting where they go from here now that. You know, Disney acquired that side of Fox. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be interesting because obviously we know that they're going to start implementing uh, X-Men into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it's going to be nice to be able to finally start to see them try to to try to build up these characters the way that they do so well Mm -hmm. in all the other movies. I, from 2000, you know, we've seen iterations of X-Men movies in general and I, I'm fearful that they're going to waste a whole movie on like an origin story again on some of these characters. I understand it, it's a new audience because it, we're 21 years later, so you might have to reintroduce some characters, but I don't really want an origin movie. Again. No, I, I don't either. Especially another Wolverine origin. <clears throat> One of the uh, one of the other actors, um, also kind of early in his movie career, he had done two other movies before this one, and the first one we mentioned as one of my most one of the worst video game movies in our video game podcast movie, and that was the uh, the Mortal Kombat Annihilation movie. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. He played a character, uh, two characters, and one of them was Raptor, and um, I guess he redeemed himself right after that, and that's Ray Park. 
uh, he obviously redeemed himself playing Darth Maul in mm -hmm. oh, episode yeah. one. Yeah, he was the toad in this one. And then he was toad in this one. This was right. his third. Yeah. I mean, that's... And then he went on to kind of do, like, the G.I. Joe movies playing Snake Eyes and stuff like that. But Yeah, jo Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon is, uh, is, uh, got blasted for, like, writing one of the worst um, lines in, <laughs> in, like, cinema history for that line that he wrote for Storm where she says, what happens to... Do you know what happens to uh, things that get hit by lightning? <laughs> or do you know what happens to... Toads, frogs that get hit by lightning or something like that, and she said the same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> wow, yeah, that was, was very there profound. There's a couple tacky one-liners, but it, I mean, like, come you on, gotta man. understand that it is a comic book, and sometimes you have those tacky moments. Yeah, I get it, but um, but I think the the most looked forward character was obviously Wolverine. Obviously, that um, was the. By far the one that everybody was really looking forward to, and seeing what I appreciate about or appreciate about continuity in movies is, you know, just having that connection between one and the next. Mm -hmm. The first time we see Wolverine in the movie, he's in like a cage fight, and we see him fighting against someone who does not have powers or abilities or. Or any kind of an adamantium skeleton, for that matter. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. When he steps out of the ring, he puts on the same jacket that he's wearing in X Men Origins that was made nine years later. Right. That same jacket. It's aged. Just like he has. Well, not like uh, he has, but I mean, you know, it's it a little bit tattered and dirty, mm -hmm. but it's the same jacket. And I didn't notice that until I went back and started watching it over in order to prepare for today's podcast. Right. And that's that's a cool... I like those type of things where you start to notice uh, similarities or things that they kind of roll over into other films to just kind of bring it all together. And that's a good one, man. I, I that That's pretty cool because I didn't really realize that myself. Um, but... You know, Hugh Jackman was not the first choice. No, he wasn't actually the first choice. He uh, he was actually <laughs> one of the last choices. Uh, I don't know if if you know this, but these are some of the other people that were in contention to be Wolverine on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Mel Gibson. Mm -hmm. Aaron Eckhart. Jean-Claude Jean Van Damme. Viggo Mortensen. Edward Norton. Keanu Reeves. Gary Sinise and uh, Do Gray Scott. Do you know who Do Gray Scott is? Do Gray, Gray Scott? No, I don't remember who he is. Uh, do you remember the second Mission Impossible movie? Mm -hmm. He was the villain in that movie. Oh, okay, yeah. All right. So he agreed to be Wolverine, but he got hurt filming the second Mission Impossible movie. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't able to come back and film for X-Men because he had to recuperate and then refilm, reshoot scenes for Mission Impossible 2. Mm. And so it was Russell Crowe's idea for them to choose Hugh Jackman. Russell Crowe turned it down because he had just come off doing the movie Gladiator. Which was an epic movie, by okay. the way. Okay. And 
uh, Hugh Jackman hadn't done any major motion picture except for a TV movie of Oklahoma. <laughs> He'd been in a couple, like... He's basically a nobody at the time. He had done some, like, TV series mm-hmm. called, like, The Coronellis or something like that. Right. But, yeah, he... This was, this is his jumping-off point to, for Hugh Jackman to be a household name that we know him to be today. Yeah, and he he definitely jumped off and made a name for himself with this movie. You know, I got a fun fact for you, too, about uh, the movie. See, Chris, Chris Claremont, right? Was that his name? The 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 comics writer Chris Claremont, he sat he had a he sat down at a panel at Columbia University in like 2012, and they were asking him some questions and he revealed that his dream casting for this version the version that he had wrote right at the time mm-hmm. his dream casting for the version would have been um, Bob Hoskins, right and <laughs> as Wolverine, and Angela Bassett as Storm. Okay, I can see Angela Bassett. I could see Angela Bassett, but I'm like Bob Hoskins. <laughs> like seriously, I, I'm. Well, see, Wolverine is only like five foot six, I think. Right. So I mean, and he, he... and the actor uh, Hugh Jackman is six foot two, and James Marsden had to wear lifts in his shoes in order to right appear higher, uh, taller than Wolverine in the movie. Yeah, if you don't know who Bob Hoskins is, he played. Uh, in movies like the Roger, who played who framed, who yeah. framed Roger Rabbit, he played in Hook, um, Unleashed with uh, um, Jet Li. Yeah, he was one of the Super Mario brothers. In Super Mario. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the the movie that should never be named on this podcast again. But anyway. So uh, let me rewind a little bit. So yeah. that bar that the the cage fight was in, yeah, is where Rogue in the movie gets dropped off at, and she's hitchhiking with a trucker. Okay, mm-hmm. that trucker is an actor named George Buza. Yeah, and he played the voice of Beast in the animated X Men series from the nineties. Really. Yeah, so there's another little Easter egg in there. Right, just kind of tying it all in together. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like um, that. But, you know, as I was watching this, I had a couple of questions that kind of came to the forward of my, my mind. And when when Wolverine and Rogue in the car, are in the car, a tree falls in front of them, and then Wolverine gets out. Uh, Wolverine falls through the windshield. He gets flung through the windshield, yeah. <laughs> but he gets up, and he sees that the tree didn't fall on its own. And he starts to smell around, and then he fights against Sabretooth. Sabretooth. And then, obviously, at some point, Storm and Cyclops come to the rescue. Right. How, does, how did Magneto know where they were in order to send Sabretooth there. I don't know, dude. That That's one of those questions that kind of... Like, how did he just appear out of, like, randomly out of nowhere? It mm-hmm. was one of those... I was on the same page. Like, I was like a very random spot for them just to all of a sudden know he was going to be there. And then nine years later is when we see the... the, the... And how did Storm and Cyclops know that he was going to be there, too? Unless... Yeah, no. That one you can explain probably with yes. Xavier. Yeah. True. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll give you that. All right. But if we're gonna do continuity, and he's wearing, and Wolverine's wearing the same jacket from X Men Origins, mm-hmm. 
his brother is supposed to be Sabretooth. I know. Right? So what happened to him in order for him to look the way that he did in this movie in 2000? I understand if Wolverine doesn't know who he is because of his memory. I get that. But what happened? Shouldn't Sabretooth know who he is? Or what happened to him to make him look the way that he is in order for him to not, for them to not know each other? There was, that was completely blowing my mind as well. Like, why was it throwing, why was there so much disconnect with Wolverine and Sabretooth? Mm -hmm. Right? Like you said, I can understand Wolverine with the memory loss and not really realizing who he is. But why didn't Sabretooth know who he was? Mm Mm-hmm. There's then, nothing wrong with Sabretooth. He didn't have any kind of memory loss. And and these, as like, as, from from a fan standpoint, these are a lot of questions that maybe movies don't have time to dive into answering. But if you're gonna tell a story, if you're gonna tell a story, man, <laughs> it goes it goes. If, in. if you're gonna make a movie nine years later, and you're gonna connect one part to this movie that was made in 2000, nine years before, you gotta make the other connection somehow as well. Somehow, some way, you've gotta make the connection. Um, one of the other questions is that um, early in the movie, you see that Magneto has a concentration camp tattoo on his arm. Yes. Okay, but at the beginning of the movie, you see that he is developing his powers of magnetism. You right, know? With the, when he's a child. Right, so, you're talking about? So answer me this. If you knew you were about to be tattooed in a concentration t- camp, wouldn't you use your magnetic powers to prevent them from tattooing you? Uh, yeah, but I mean, at the time, he was a child. Right. Right? So, I mean, I feel like at the time, being, being a child, it was more of the fear of not knowing what was happening to him. And the un- is un his inability to be able to his inability I should say I'm sorry his inability to be able to control his own powers you know I'm pretty sure he probably didn't realize you're probably right because they touch on the same thing in X-Men First Class yeah you know with Kevin Bacon facing Magneto as a child and trying to encourage him to move a coin and he just can't do it he can't do it so that makes sense if he can't move a coin then he's not going to be able to tap to stop a tattoo gun from tattooing him. Right, because, I mean, as a child, his only real ability to be able to harness his power was through his anger, right? Mm-hmm. He would get angry or he would be frustrated or he'd have an emotional outbreak and then his powers would kind of come to the forefront, you know, and show themselves. But you look at him now as he's older, he he doesn't need to show any kind of emotion at all and be able to harness his powers and all of his abilities you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I just think at the time being a child he just just wasn't at the, at the forefront of his mind to be able to like hey I don't want that on me so yeah and it wasn't that. until uh, first class that you saw that Xavier was trying to help Magneto even at, at uh, fine tune his powers yeah yeah in the, in the X-Men first class yeah so and then you kind of start to see their their separation in that movie, in those movies as well, because mm-hmm. you know, they, they start to become more. They, it's crazy how, how they, they went from friends to foes. But it's crazy. I mean, they the their their enemies, but their the respect level for each other too at the same time. It's because they both want they want the same things, but in different ways. I know it's crazy how that is. Like 
they both want the exact same thing. They want the mutant population to be able to live freely and not have these, you know, laws and regulations placed over them, mm. you know. And but like you're saying, Xavier wants to try to do it the right way, and Magneto wants to start freaking war. <laughs> and it's interesting because you kind of see an element of the same thing with Civil War. You do. Because Captain America comes from a time, you know, where concentration camps existed mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and stuff like that, where, because the whole Sokovia Accords came into play, he didn't want to sign it, and it's like, this is this is the start of the same type of thing that I, I went through once. Right. And that's where Magneto's at. Yeah. I, I lived through this, and I survived. Right, I don't want to go through this crap again. Mm-hmm. And then... Xavier's kind of the Iron Man. It's like, well, this is what it's going to take in order for us to all, you know, live in peace. Exactly. You know, coexist together. But Magneto's more of that mutants should rule over humanity. Yeah, we're the we're the evolved species. We're the higher being. So therefore, we should be the ones in charge of everything now. Mm-hmm. You know, until you guys catch up to our level so yeah definitely man i in my opinion i've i i was really i was really happy with this movie man i mean i was so excited to see it you know and this is that movie that me and you got to go to the premiere to right Mm -hmm. wasn't it the the, no no, there's that was x2 yeah Mm -hmm. uh it's all right i got a couple other things i wanted to share with you uh about the x-men movie is uh there's a scene where Xavier's telling Wolverine the code signs of Storm, Cyclops. Cyclops, right. And when Wolverine looks at Xavier and says, what do they call you, wheels? <laughs> that was an ad-libbed line. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. The other line was supposed to be something else, and he he said, what, what do, do you call you, wheels? <laughs> um the the mansion the Xavier mansion that's used in the movie mm-hmm. is the same mansion that they use that belongs to Lex Luthor in Smallville Jason ah. okay and in Arrow Oliver Queen's mansion oh really it's the same mansion wow yeah that mansion's getting put to um, use so since this is one of the first m- movies that kind of started these span of superhero movies again. Mm-hmm. You know, we had other superhero movies before with like Superman and the Christopher Reeve and and uh, and the uh, Batman series in the 90s and stuff. Yeah. But uh, Stan Lee was starting to make his cameo appearances in this. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, but this he is when he he, he was he didn't talk. Mm-mm. He was just making himself seen. Right. Right. And he was a hot dog vendor <laughs> in, in this one. Uh-huh. Um, one of my, uh, one of the most memorable se- scenes in this movie um, that stood out was they're leaving the train station after they got their hands on Rogue and Magneto walks out with Sabretooth and Toad and is faced with a squad of police cars and they tell him to put his hands over his head. 
And that's kind of where you see a little bit more of the power that Magneto has. Mm -hmm. And he, he abides and he puts his hands over his head. But in doing so, he raises two cop cars. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And then he, he lowers them again and then has them crash down on two other cop cars. Right. And then proceeds to make them turn their guns on themselves. And Xavier is also there and kind of taps into the brain waves of Sabretooth and Toad. Right. To try and stop Magneto. But Magneto ends up firing off a gun. And it's like this this is one of the first times you see Xavier and Magneto face off against each other. Actually you doing like some like some of their powers kind of kind of collide. Right, right, right. You know? Magneto shoots off a gun and Xavier has the power to even stop the bullet from going in one of the officer's heads. But he doesn't have enough power in order to stop all the guns no, from going doesn't. off. Right. So they have to let him go. Right. They have a set of free. Which is crazy to me because like you would think um, he would have enough power to do it because he has enough power to like freeze time. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. uh, not in this X-Men, but in X-Men 2, which we'll get to later, um, there's a moment in that movie where he freezes, where they're all at this like um, uh, museum, and he ends up freezing time where everybody in the museum's frozen, mm -hmm. except for all the X-Men. You get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So you would think there would be if they can he can freeze like hundreds of people in a middle in the midst of a you know museum. I think he would have the same amount of power to be able to do stop a bunch of bullets flying. You know, so there was a little for me. There's a little bit of a how, how come he could do this but he couldn't do this, you know, type thing. Yeah, it's one of those other questions like the ones that I had earlier that kind of. Yeah, it just it didn't really make sense. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me. Like, how come he could stop all of this, but he couldn't stop all of this? It just seems like, okay, if you're gonna let him do one, you should be able to let him do the other, type thing. Uh, Brian Singer, the director, was asked to do this movie three times, and he turned it down three times before he decided to do it. Yeah, he did. It took him going and actually reading the comic books to mm -hmm. get an understanding of the deeper civil diversity inclusion equality element mm -hmm. behind what this story is trying to convey in order to ag agree to do it right right i remember i remember reading that that he uh he just wasn't interested at all of wanting to take on the the whole project and then like you said he decided to go back and read the comic books and uh make it happen so good thing he did because it ended up uh working out for him man yeah i think he did all three i i believe he did i believe he did so um let me see i'll tell you right now um sean ashmore is also in this no movie. the the director of the last one was uh uh brett uh ratner okay was a director of uh last stand um neither patrick stewart or ian mcclellan knew how to play chess and they had to bring somebody in to teach him in order for so, some of those scenes. Um, Sean Ashmore, who played Iceman mm -hmm. in this movie, uh, I mentioned that the mansion in the movie was connected to Smallville. 
He played a character in Smallville. Yeah, well. he did. I don't remember who he played. Who did he play? Um, Do you remember? No, I don't. But his brother, as as well, and it, he, I don't know if you realize this, but he's he's a, they're twins. Oh, really? He has a twin brother who's also an actor, and his brother also ended up being in Smallville later on in the series, and he played um, the photographer. I'll tell you right now, dude. You're lucky I'm not a twin. You're lucky I'm not a twin. Because I would be jacking with you so hard, bro. I, me and my twin would be messing with people so much, it would be it would be ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you right now. I would be so mad. I'd be messing with people so bad if I was a twin. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's crazy. I didn't know he was a twin, man. That's That's an interesting fact, for real. But... Yeah, anyway, all in all, man, this is a good movie, dude. Yeah, it had the, the nice balance of action, story, sprinkle a little bit of comedy. Yeah. Great special effects for its time. Mm -hmm. For its time. Mm -hmm. Definitely for its time. Uh, I feel like, again, just knowing what we've seen now, it would be nice to... Oh, it would be so... I can't wait. I'm so excited to finally see maybe some of these X-Men in a whole new light. Mm -hmm. You know, even for me, and I, I'm just putting this out there, even for me, if they even change some of the actual, you know, people playing the characters and just like reboot them a little bit. Well, to, they, to, they, to, they're going to have to. I know that. They tried to do that in its own way when they started over with, um, with X-Men First Class and then the continuation of those movies and the crossover movie of... Days of Future Past, where they had the old and the new on screen together. Mm -hmm. So you saw different generations of the same characters. Well, they did it too when they brought in, um, because in uh, X-Men 2, they showed the first appearance of Colossus. Mm -hmm. Right? But they never mentioned his name or who he was or actually said who he was. Mm -mm. So they were actually able to reuse him again in Deadpool. Mm -hmm. Right where they actually show, so they kind of they showed you Colossus, but then they rebooted him in Deadpool as a whole different kind of, you know, image character. He wasn't a child; he's a grown man. He was bigger, you know. He had the more that accent, you know. So it was more established role. He was on screen longer. Longer, yeah, exactly. And I even think that they mentioned his name in uh, Deadpool as well. So. I, I'm 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 excited, man, to see some of these characters start to get put into the MCU and, and utilized and put, to their best attention to their to more of their potential. And sure. just the ongoing crossovers of just numerous amount of times where different characters interact with one another, whether they're fighting or they're working together for yeah, yeah. a bigger threat. Exactly, exactly. So the only the only one that for me, it that will be hard to kind of. Who would they get? What is it? Because he's, he's built up that character so much as Wolverine. Yeah, and it's it, in some ways it's sad that he decided to step away from it. You yeah, know, I, you and I. The fact that he did Logan, and then what they did in that movie mm -hmm. in order to show a younger version of him with the graphics that they have today, I mean, there's no. 
there's it's a testament to what they can get away with as far as making him look younger for some movies that if they were to do them again today to have him be Wolverine. Yeah, they could, but I mean, as far as as far as moving forward, I say, hey, thank you for. It's kind of like you know when they, you know, rebooted the Joker and Batman. You know, mm-hmm. hey man, thank you for giving us your version of Wolverine. We appreciate it, but hey, we're gonna move forward and we're gonna get somebody to come out and move and move into the future. S- 21 years ago, social media wasn't what it is today. Yeah. So you have so many people like really digging in and critiquing <sighs> everything about every move that you make and every step you take and with these movies that are going to be made. Yeah. For, for example, uh, I, I'm not sure if this is true. So the next Fantastic Four movie, they've decided that um, the same writer or director from that movie is the same director that did, I think, the first Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. And people are automatically out. They're like, if if he did, the fact that he directed the Amazing Spider-Man, which maybe wasn't the it, greatest. Yeah, not a lot of people like that. Okay. It's the forgotten Spider-Man. Okay, but it's not the greatest. Mm. They're like, if that guy's gonna get his hands on the new Disney acquired version of the Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. then we're already in, they feel like we're already in trouble. You know, so uh, we, you can't make the fans happy all the time. No, you can't. But it is like walking through a minefield. <laughs> yeah. With hairy, tr- with hairy little triggers, man, that just go off the slightest little thing that ticks them off. You know, so whatever, dude. I'm excited to see it regardless of who freaking directs it. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And I hope that they get the characters that they've been pushing out there that they want to play in the roles to be in the roles because I feel like it would work. And what's what's interesting about these superhero movies because we're, we're fans, period, is that you can tell me that it's terrible, but at some point I'm going to watch it, whether it's in a theater if we ever get the chance to go back to the, the theater or if it's on demand or wherever it's going to be, I'm going to end up sitting down and watching it. I'm going to end up, and I'm going to formulate my own freaking opinion about it. Exactly. You know, and regardless, like for example, not a lot of people like that Spider-Man uh, movie, The Amazing Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. But if you were to ask my oldest daughter, it's kind of one of her favorites, right? She loved that Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's potatoes, potatoes, man. You didn't like it, somebody else did. Regardless, it made them money. They put it out there. Whatever. You don't like it, don't watch it. Simple as that. So, all right, man. There you go. A little bit of talk on X-Men movie 2000 x-men mm-hmm. movie uh so we'll go ahead and start moving on into um x2 x2 and uh uh by far for me the the best one that they put out i i, I thoroughly enjoyed this one yeah and this is one of the ones that we recently talked about in yeah. our episode where we mentioned sequels 
two movies are better than the original. Better than the original. And there's a story that I mentioned in that that has significant memories associated with this movie. So if you have a chance, to go back and listen to it, and you can hear that story for yourself. Yeah, definitely. Um, but this movie, right out the gate, we, we talked about it in our last podcast, but I'll mention it again. Starts out with a scene, Nightcrawler, um, and he's popping around the White House. Right. And we know we know that it's Nightcrawler, and he's on the verge of assassinating the president. Mm. But we know Nightcrawler to be uh, a good superhero. Yeah. So it's like, why is this happening? Something's going down. Right? So, yeah. right out the gate, it starts off with a question like, why is why is Nightcrawler acting bad? Why mm-hmm. is, I mean, if he was a bad guy, you would be in trouble. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, you would not want him on the opposite side, the team that you're trying to fight against. Because mm-hmm. Nightcrawler, to me, is a legit... Um, X-Men character. Yeah, he's he's up there. He's one of those unique um, characters that most people, when they think of X-Men in general, just that maybe don't read the comics or maybe haven't watched all the movies or, Cartoons or don't or keep track of it. Yeah. Their probably first go-to might be Wolverine. Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, mm-hmm. you know, Magneto. But I, a lot of comic book fans or X-Men fans that I come across Mm -hmm. it's not my he's not my personal favorite right it's Nightcrawler for them though it is Nightcrawler for him I know that for me Nightcrawler is up there in my my top picks for X-Men that I enjoy you know Um, I know that for me and you one of our favorites is is Gambit Mm -hmm. absolutely and we were really excited when they started putting out those teasers for Shannon Tatum to play in a Gambit movie, and which has since been squashed because now Disney acquired Fox. And yeah. So we'll, they're probably going to have to start from scratch, and I don't know if we're ever going to get a Gambit movie, but mm. it's going to probably be a long time, just as long as they don't depict him the same way that he did in X Men Origins. Yeah, I'll be alright. Yeah, I'll be fine with that. And you know what I mean. And um, I don't even care if he gets his own freaking movie, dude. Just put him back in another. Just bring him back in the MCU. Yeah, just bring him back. Put him, put him back in, t- in as a you know a character that um, you can use and uh, I people was, can enjoy. I honestly, I was kind of surprised out of these movies that were made mm-hmm. that they didn't follow the same kind of team format that they brought in from the '90s cartoon. Okay, because Gambit was a part of that team. He was in his own way. Yeah, he's always kind of been like a. He's kind of like a, he's kind of got that like Wolverine mentality. Right? He's just kind of like a loner out on his own, doing his own He's thing. a loner, but he's also a thief. And he also has that kind of Bubba Fett vibe from the Star Wars universe where, you know, the thing about Gambit is that he, his loyalty is kind of to the money for the most part. It is. There's one specific comic that I remember somebody telling me about regarding Gambit. And he was facing a villain that, and he was given the choice between a woman that he was in a relationship with on one, one end and a gem 
that he needed in order to turn in in order to retrieve his brother mm-hmm. right and he ended up allowing the woman to die or fall to her death mm-hmm. and then he apologized to her and said oh <laughs> sorry Cher he's my brother you know? <laughs> right right so I mean he does have it's it's family first mm-hmm. and I think in some ways with the exception of maybe Rogue love or like money is second right yeah uh which is true i definitely did for him that's kind of how his whole mentality is but mentioning in the first movie that it seemed like wolverine was kind of the focal point and we understand that he didn't he does he's lost his memory Mm. he doesn't know a lot of where he came from or how he came to be or how he got his adamantium skeleton and all this thing. Mm-hmm. This movie kind of helps tie into that. Yeah, it does. It definitely ties into it. I mean, because they introduce, you know, um, William Stryker mm-hmm. into the movie. And he's the one that actually gives Wolverine his, you know, adamantium, you know, skeleton. Mm-hmm. You know, because Which he's is- the one that he... he, he he kind of he has this thing where he, uh, uh, am I thinking um, does like science projects on freaking uh, mutants, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, yeah, this is it, it. Really gives you a better insight on how he got it, where he came from, you know, and why he doesn't remember where he, you know, what happened to him. I I um I really like this movie, man. I, I this to me this one just kind of had a better better flow to it. I enjoyed a lot more of the characters in it, the way they were able to build them up and and utilize them. Um, there were other little Easter eggs. We see the development of of other characters, whereas um, I, I think uh, when. The children are kidnapped by the extraction team that William Stryker is a part of. Mm-hmm. Jubilee is part of some of those children. Yeah, and we don't see her again until like the later movies that came out later, like uh, Days of Future Past and or those later movies. Yeah, um, it's like you said, we get to see Colossus turned to metal. Right. Again. Um, but, uh, William Stryker is like infiltrates the school because he finds out that there's a plane underground and he's like connecting the dots. And the whole point of this movie, why it's X-Men United is that it's the villains and the good guy, the heroes that were fighting on opposite sides in the first movie have to come together to fight against this bigger threat. Right, exactly, and it's, and that goes in to what we were saying earlier about Xavier and Magneto, right? How they're enemies, but they come, how they sometimes will come together for like this this cause, mm-hmm. you know? Like they, it's crazy how they can put aside their whole issue with their beliefs and who they are, and come together to fight for against, I should say, fight against something that is oppressing the both of them. 
Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, it's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Which is kind of the whole the whole concept of this story. And that's really how it all plays out throughout the entire movie. Even um, one of my favorite scenes in this movie... Uh, I remember being in the theater and it happening is when I believe they're at uh, at Iceman's house mm-hmm. and they're they're telling his family that Wolverine's a teacher and they're kind of like hiding out mm-hmm. and then they step out onto the porch and they there's police that are there yeah and. Wolverine gets shot in the head and drops to the ground. And everybody in the theater is just like, oh, oh my gosh, right? And then you slowly see that bullet bullet start to squeeze out, Mm -hmm. and then the wounds start to heal, and you're like, oh, it's about to go down. Right, it's about to go down. And Pyro, I think he starts lighting cars on fire, Mm. and, and he's just going off. And then that whole scene with Rogue, too, when she grabs him. You know, and starts to uh, take his powers away from him because mm-hmm. he's just going crazy. Um, I thought that was pretty cool. Her ability was so under underused, underused in that freaking movie, man. It, that was what was frustrating Both with movies. me. That was what was frustrating with me about her. They only used her abilities to be able to like heal herself. Yeah, in the first movie when when, when Wolverine, Wolverine stabbed her, mm-hmm. or she was. Uh, or Magneto used her to be able because to because he didn't have the strength to do it himself, himself right? Which uh, was kind of smart from a villainy point of view. It was, it was, but I mean, she her her ability is to be able to take other people's abilities mm-hmm. and be able to use them, you know, against them. Mm-hmm. And not one time in any of the movies did she actually take somebody's ability and use it against them, right? You know, and I was just like, dude, come on, man. Like, like you're, you're missing out on this from, okay, yeah. So that's where uh, you, uh, the focus seemed to be about Wolverine. Wolverine, dude. You know? Yeah. And that's why he probably went to go on to have like his own independent movies and the Wolverine and the origin movie and stuff yeah. like that. But when you have characters like Rogue in a movie like that, you got to utilize showing what they can do and how they can do it. Exactly. And that's kind of what we, I'm saying with uh, uh, this whole new Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've had. We've had so many characters in one particular movie with the Avenger movies, right? And yet, although a lot of people will say that Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man stood out quite a bit, you know, uh, it was never got to the point where the whole movie was focused completely on him. Mm-hmm. And everybody else had their all individual movies as far as Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, you know, Doctor Strange, blah, blah, blah. That would be crazy. Now, if they were to reintroduce the X-Men characters, right? instead of an origin movie where they're trying to show everyone all at once, because it is X-Men... But if they had a standalone movie for each character X-Men, and then put them all together... An X-Men uh, cinematic universe, bro? I mean, you can milk that Shut for a while. the front door. Oh my God, man. I'm salivating right now even when <laughs> thinking about it, bro. Like, could you imagine like, if they did like 
you know, they started building characters like, okay, drop your first X-Men movie. They dropped Iron Man. That was the first Marvel movie that they put out. Who would be your first X-Men that you would that you'd think they would want to drop out? Well, only based on the popularity of Wolverine. You would say it'd be Wolverine. That would mm-hmm. be your, let's drop him first. Mm-hmm. Build off of him, then drop an X-Men movie, then do some other character building as far as maybe do a Storm movie. Because, dude, you could tie Storm in with Black Panther. <sighs> Just saying, bro. Then you could drop Gambit, and you could, drive, you could tie in Gambit with Rogue. Come on, man. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, dude, you could talk. The, the opportunities are endless. endless. You could do you could do a Professor Xavier and tie in with Magneto. Well, that, that was kind of done in, in the first class. I'm just saying, but... if we were re- rebooting, bro, mm-hmm. there's so much that they could do. Mm-hmm. So much. I agree. I... And it's, it's exciting to stop and think about where we go from here. Um, but another point about you know the X2 movie is we see other villains that we didn't get to see before like Deathstroke mm. uh, not Deathstroke uh, Deathstrike Deathstrike yeah uh, and she's basically a female version of Wolverine but instead of ha- having three claws that come out of each hand she has claws that come out of her fingernails kind of like her brother and they're made out of the same metal. So you see someone that Wolverine's facing off against in this movie that is going to potentially meet, he's met his match. Right. It's crazy. You know, that to actually think, he's he's thinking he's going to, you know, handle her just like he's handled everybody else. Right? And that's not the case, dude. She can freaking hold her own with him, and he's he takes a step back, and he's like, "Oh crap, dude! Uh, I, have I met my match? What is going on right now?" And we also see uh, a deeper understanding of of William Stryker's plan to not only create these super soldier style mutants, mm-hmm. but to brainwash them in order to be able to control them. To use them as a weapon. And the crazy thing is, is that he's doing that with his son. Mm-hmm. Right? So he has this whole bitterness about mutants because his son is a mutant. But then he wants to take advantage of the situation because his son is a mutant by manipulating mutants into doing what he wants them to do. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Um... Yeah, man. I just, I don't know. I feel like uh, we can we can uh, table this for yeah. I feel like we're going to need to and definitely then we can pick this up in a part two in our next episode and finish out this this second movie and then flow into the third one to finish out our trilogy on this topic. Yeah, I feel like we're going to need to because uh, we're going to need to wrap this up today. But uh, hey, thank you for listening, guys. We really appreciate you. Uh, we really appreciate our listeners. What are we up to right now? We've gotten like 170, 178 downloads. Uh, 178 total, uh, 75 total plays of all of the podcasts that we've published. And yeah. Yes. Thank all. Thank you all. Thank you for the ones that 
liked our recent post on Instagram. We got like a, over 100 likes from uh, the MacGyver post that you, you put out yeah, on yeah. our Instagram. We want you to not only like our post, that, but we want to encourage you to take a moment and listen to our podcast. Definitely. Uh, yeah, please listen. Please uh, give us any kind of uh, your thoughts, ideas, uh, even your criticism. Tell us the negatives as well as the positives. Because right now, like I said, we're really trying to better ourselves and grow and be that podcast that you uh, you go to. So whatever we need to do to make it better, please help us out. And in the series that we're currently doing with the X-Men Trilogy, we're trying to show you that your feedback is important because this idea came from someone who gave us our feedback. Yeah, and we, and if he's listening, we want your feedback because we know you're an X-Men buff so if we mess something up let us know <laughs> yeah uh we're not as in tune with that universe as you are jason uh, yeah Justin. yeah we're more fans than we are uh you know avid readers exactly so but anyway we appreciate you guys thank you uh again for listening and yeah. uh be hope- sure to reach out to us at uh beacon underscore 76 on instagram and you can always email us at beacon76show at gmail.com and uh, just whatever you do while you're out there, maintain safety and, uh, you know, your health is important. Exactly. And peace out. <laughs>